0: Testing one, two, one, two, in the place to be. I always liked in the place to be. Did you did you like in the place to be? <laughs> when you was Somebody coming? already has that. You can't just do it. Oh, when you was a rapper in 1995, everybody started out with in the place to be. Now it's played out. What would you do now? How would you kick mm, off your rhyme right now? I don't know,
1: but I do like that. You know, I'm old school, so I do like that smooth sounds of. How you going
0: to uh, just. <laughs> Tell people my lines. That's my next line coming up. You gonna see? That's why we gotta hey. stick to the script because <laughs> I can see already now our new co host Tamra Glass is gonna. I'm gonna write hot stuff in the script and she gonna scroll through the script and pull out the hot stuff that she like and say it before I get it out.
1: I'm an Obama. You, you know he does that.
0: He does. Mm-hmm. Oh, if he you does like stuff around the script, in... huh? What do you mean?
1: Yeah. So actually, no, I have it backwards. So, you know, he wrote his uh, speech for the 2004 Democratic National Convention, and they have to submit the speech. John Kerry was running for president, liked the line in Obama's speech and took it. So actually, I'm a John Kerry you.
0: John Kerry was running for president and took Obama's speech.
1: He took a line out of Obama's speech and told him he had to change his speech.
0: Oh, he gangster. Okay, well, if you say it first, then you can do that. There you go. The Voice is not an option podcast produced by Katrina Witherspoon and Joshua Bruton. What you're listening to is the smooth sounds of Stephen James <laughs> Dixon. I'd like to welcome our new co-host Tamra Glaspie Tamra welcome to the show. Tell the people about yourself How you hey
1: thank you. you said my name right. Cool points um so yeah,
0: you gotta tell them why I get cool points.
1: Uh, because he's been mispronouncing my name every which way. I am Tamara Glaspie, and um, I'm here per- to provide the female perspective on divorce is not an option, on things that are going on today,
0: just whatever. Wait, wait, wait. The female perspective has to be broken down. You have to wear multiple hats. Can you walk through the perspectives that you will provide to the people?
1: I'm every woman, so um, I can provide the perspective of a single woman um, I, as I've been um, unmarried for a very long time. Um, I can provide the perspective of a woman in a relationship working to get married. And um, I'm a can traditional you, woman. Can you, can you so you
0: know, Can you do ratchet? That's what everybody wants. Can <laughs> I can do ratchet if I need to. You can do ratchet. Can you do baby mama? That didn't had three kids, and the dude left her for the white sister around the corner.
1: Oh, hell no! I can sympathize, <laughs> but that is not my situation.
0: <laughs> okay, so what are we talking about today for our, for our first podcast?
1: Um, so today we are talking about um relationships and um, an article actually that I read this week that talks about. Uh, why you will marry the wrong person.
0: Oh, yeah. That's the one you sent me to read, right? I read that. What'd you mm-hmm. think?
1: Um, this article just really hit me. I thought it was really, really crazy. One for the title. Um, it was written by a man named Alan DeBolton and it's in the NewYorkTimes.com and it was like May 28th or something when the article came out. Um, but it just really hit me, just the thought of you are definitely going to marry the wrong person. Like he just put that out there.
0: And so for you, you're thinking like, okay, how are you going to tell me I'm married the wrong person when I haven't waited this long to get married?
1: Right. I mean, like Prince Charming is just supposed to, you know, show up and ride up because I've waited so long and I had my list and, you know, we're just supposed to do this. So this wrong person thing just really, really hit me.
0: Really in your head, what you're thinking is the longer I wait, the better the guy will be, right? Exactly.
1: He should be more mature. He should be more established. Um, yeah, No. We should fit like, perfectly.
0: Like you got, I could have settled in college or when I was you 25 know? or when I was 30. And so now I waited. And so what God has has for me now is perfect.
1: Right. That's the way it's supposed to be.
0: Uh, I think it's already time for you to add the disclaimer where you say all thoughts conveyed are not about your current boyfriend and current relationship.
1: <laughs> right. Don't be getting me in trouble because I'm trying to keep this one.
0: I, look, look, folks, I told Tamara, I said, look, this is your first podcast. I talk on the radio all the time, so I kind of get it. And I've kind of reviewed all the things I say about my marriage to my wife. But I said, Tamara, you might come on one day and he'd have made you upset, or you'd have made him upset, and y'all just bring the whole argument to the podcast. Therefore, (laughs) you can't bring none of it because you ain't going to know where the line is.
1: No, I'm just going to say my perspective is always of a friend, not me.
0: Not that. Okay, got it. Okay, so in the article why you were married the wrong person. One of the first things I saw that jumped out to me was he said, when we're delving in delving into our complexities before marriage, how did you feel about that?
1: Well, I think that was interesting to me because, um, what that kind of boiled down to is we don't really know ourselves. We don't really even get to know the other person and we don't know how to like relate to somebody else in a relationship.
0: I got two points from that. Like, we don't develop problem solving techniques when we're single um so what happens when we're single when we have a bad relationship we just leave we don't really work through problems and right. so you know when we're married we actually have to come up with how do i talk to my spouse when do we communicate uh do we go to bed angry um what type of vulgarity do we use do we not cuss when we're mad at each other you know oh, that's all that stuff Right. I don't believe in it, by the way. I don't believe in cussing at my, my spouse at all, and I don't stand for it at my house either. Um, yeah. But we all had to work there. We all had, we all had to work up to that God point. God's still working on me. <laughs> no cussing. <laughs> I know you're not. Oh, no, we're well, we not going to. He's not he, he through
1: with me yet.
0: you <laughs> <laughs> working on it? <laughs> That's funny. But, uh, and then another thing I thought about was marriage is on-the-job training, which people don't get that either. So I would kind of change the title from, why you were married the wrong person to something more to why the person that you marry may appear to be wrong or something like that until you work through your issues. Cause we see a lot of marriages that that, you know, when you get married, they'll be bad for a while, then they'll turn around when you figure out how to compromise.
1: Well I think that's the biggest thing about marriage that people don't really want to accept that you gonna have problems. It's not gonna be easy. You're gonna have to work through it. And it's not even like even thinking about how hard it is before you get married is not even comparable to the issues that you think you that you're actually going to have
0: the way I, I, I explain it is I had a couple I was doing premarital coaching with and um the the girlfriend would just blast out and be angry and say I hate you and get mad and wow. the dude was kind of nonchalant like he I'm not that bad he, right <laughs> good You <He, laughs> He didn't care if she would say things like that, right? And it concerned me, so it something I tried to you know, help them work on and all that, and they got better at it when they ain't got married. Well, a year after they got married, they came back to me and said they were kind of having some of the same problems. And the difference was now when she said, I hate you, the husband would now say, I can't believe I'm married to someone who hates me. Mm. Yeah, he can't just go home now. Right. He can't just go home. Can't just quit him. Um, you have to actually have that resonated as a part of your spirit and your soul Not uh, that person acts. before it didn't matter. Like whatever, who cares? He didn't really care. But now when you live in with a person, you legally bound to a person right. it matters. And so that's why marriage takes a whole nother twist in the turn.
1: You know, that's an interesting point. I mean, off topic, but um just talking to people who have lived together before marriage and then they get married and that there's still a difference, even though you've been living with this person for two years, like marriage makes it just real.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and actually, uh, scientifically, I don't know. Well, maybe not scientifically, but statistics have shown that people who live together more than 50 percent of the time do not get married. Uh. You know, and so what happens with that is um, once you move in together, you find out all the things that you don't like about each other, but you have no reason to compromise on those things. That's true. I remember when my, my wife and I first moved in together. Like, I was one of those dudes that I folded up all the towels and I had to have my towels neat and all these things that was neat. And basically, I did all that stuff for hoes. And my wife was like, no, nah, I'm not doing all that. It's just me now. <laughs> I tried to make up, roll up my towels. The rules like you do with changed. Right, right, right. She was like, look, you know, if you want somebody to fold towels, it ain't going to be like that. I'm going to fold towels. how I want to fold towels. And I, had, I was not used to it. I used to just people coming in. Because, you know, when I was dating before, women just did whatever I asked them to do. Now I got this woman mm. who want to do her part and only, you know, do And now she don't she have wanna.
1: to. You together right. have to figure out your new normal.
0: I be folding most of the clothes now. For real. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> I a good lost. woman right there. <laughs> she tough. She hard. Y'all don't learn that on the podcast. Um, <laughs> next, I was learning. Next part of the article I saw was I learned how to handle relationships when they threaten to reveal. Okay, what the article said was learning how to handle relationships When they threaten to reveal our flaws.
1: Oh, that's a hard one. What you got? Well, just, I mean, like I have seen people who, when they are in a marriage, then they have to actually really, really take a hard look at who they are. Um, I've heard actually that marriage, your marriage partner becomes a mirror and actually reflects your, your true flaws and your true, you know, true personality and character. And um, a lot of people don't know how to deal with that when they have to accept that I really am a flawed person and everything ain't my partner's fault.
0: That was deep. I got to ponder on that for a minute. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the problems with marriage is people get married every day without accepting their flaws. Like I've had people I would talk to when I do relationship coaching. and I had a, I had a man uh, earlier this week who did not understand that he had an anger problem. Like he just thought that's just how he was, and people should really get him and understand that he really wasn't being vulgar, even though he was cussing you out. Well, that's you know, most
1: people was. in his life probably do. And but they don't have to live with him 24 hours a day. So then that person comes along who they does. Every
0: right. Then it becomes real. Right. And so and then someone has to put up with it twenty-four hours a day, every day. It wears on them, you know. Mm-hmm. For your for your homeboy, he understand he can do it once a week, whenever y'all watching the game or whatever, and he's not emotionally tied or passionately tied to you. Right. But if you got a person that you have a disagreement, like like for example, I tell you all the time, me and my wife can have ten different arguments a day. Mm-hmm. That's that's the difference of marriage. Like you don't know that part of it yet. Like for example, like, we get up lot. in the morning, that at least ten, right? So we get wow. up in the morning, who. Who packed Ethan's lunch? That could be one. Number two, who's gonna change the baby? She just woke up. Number three, you know what, <laughs> what I'm saying? Who who who's uh signing Ethan's homework before he goes to work? That's number four. Who drank all the orange juice? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know who ate the last bowl of cereal? You know what I'm saying? Who ate who ate my lunch that I packed last night? You know wow. who's gonna take it every day? There's a million things that could be. Who's gonna pick up Ethan from school? Who's gonna pick up our daughter from the babysitter? Things. Every day, there's a million things that you can have a disagreement about. And so it's how you negotiate those things. Because really, I don't want to pick the baby up, you know. Not meaning I don't want to, but just like I would prefer to be doing something else. And so would she. That's that's major.
1: Like, I mean, that's, that's huge if you just really think about that. That's true that there are 100 million different things that you have to negotiate through.
0: Every day. And so that's one of the skill sets when I see, when it says learning how to handle when you threaten your to reveal your own flaws is you have to know your flaws. Like me, for example, my flaw is I'm controlling, I'm dominant, I'm aggressive. And by controlling, I don't mean controlling like an ugly word. I mean controlling like I'm trying to stop anything from going wrong. I'm trying to stop anything from affecting my family. I'm trying to figure out ways around it, prevention, safety, security, all that way in advance and, um, I speak, I speak a lot of times at a person instead of with a person. And I had to mm. learn how to adjust that for my wife, mm. but I knew my flaws when I came into the marriage. But see, Tamara that's hard. The for the Most
1: men nowadays, well, I'm not, I'm not even going to jump on a man. I'm going to try not to do that.
0: You can jump on them. They need to, they need to, they need to hear from a well,
1: woman. Well, for real, most men, your, your mama told you, you perfect. So you think you perfect. And, um, you know, and because one, um, there seems to be a scarcity of good black men who have good jobs, who are taking care of business, who actually pay child support, you know, I mean, um, it just, men feel like, okay, well, if I have X, Y, and Z characteristics, you need to be thankful because I'm perfect.
0: What I would say more so than mama told him that was perfect, that raggedy hoe said that he was perfect. Mm, That too. And there's too many of those. I mean, a lot of my ego came from, matter of fact, I would say all of my ego came from women. The people who know me best knew me in high school. I was pretty shy in college. um, I played football. I played alpha. And then women started, you know, throwing themselves Uh at me, basically. uh And then when I got that first check, when I graduated, it was on. (laughs) But you know what? I mean, it's not
1: even just the raggedy hoe. Like, I I have to say I'm guilty of it. You fall in love as a woman with this man and you want to do and be everything for him and accommodate him and whatever his needs are. And nobody honestly says you trifling.
0: Right. And the next point I had, which was being comfortable with your needs. Right. Which is what we kind of talked about earlier when we talked about how, not early in the podcast, but just in the pre-show prep, Mm -hmm. I was saying how women sometimes get caught up in, in overly trying to make sure that the man is happy and they lose themselves in those relationships. Because a lot of times the man is happy as long as we get in to have sex.
1: And you know, what? that's the biggest mistake that we make is that we do not recognize our own needs and we don't realize that our own needs are every bit as, as important as his are.
0: I got, I got so many jewels i drop for women. Like I tell women that if, if, if you don't have self-respect and no one respects you in a relationship...
1: But you know what? I mean, you can say all of those things. It's it's a maturity thing. Um, and one, we as women are not trained to take care of ourselves. Um, we're trained to take care of everybody else first. We're trained to make everybody else a priority. That's what we do. And so you get a man and his job should be to protect you. Um, but no, he's all about himself. So that's just what you do. And you just end up losing yourself and you just end up with a dude who's getting everything he wants and you're getting nothing you want.
0: Let me, let me light that up a little bit. Cause that was a, that was a semi attack <laughs>
1: on, on the men. <laughs> hey, you know, real is but, real.
0: But bring it out real. I'll try to lighten it up. And, and really what I would agree with my, my co-host Tamara, but really what you're saying is, is that we don't, we're not doing it purposely you know we're just not trained anymore because of fatherless homes and being born in single family homes right and, and that's on both know, sides on both sides right <laughs> we're not learning and, and like one of the things i do with my son is i tell my son go tell mommy that i love her you know oh, and that's my sweet. and my son will say you go tell mama you love her he's 10 years old now he ain't worried about all that right <laughs> and, and and really he don't even have to tell her that, he lo- that i love her really the point is is that he knows that yes. i love her you know, so I'm always trying to trying to come up with a way to make sure that he knows that a man is supposed to love a woman and his dad loves his mom and husband love wives and, and fathers love their families and things like that. I just did not know until I was already married on marriage. Number two. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So next part I saw an article was how do we gather enough information to make it informed lifetime decision.
1: Okay, that's that's major.
0: You're not. That's all you gonna ask? You ain't gonna you don't, you don't wanna start first on that one?
1: <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, that that's like, I have had so many friends who struggle in marriage, and you know, even some divorces, um, and they think, okay, you know, did I not know him well enough? Did I make the wrong decision? Um, did I let too many things pass? Was I looking for the wrong things? Um, I mean, I, even my, I, myself, I almost married somebody cause he looked good. You know, I mean, you just have to wonder, you know, what is it that I should really be looking for? Is it, you know, you, you are taught that, um, you want a man who is a provider. So you get the man with the job who looks like he would make some pretty babies and, and you think you're going to be happy. And then he turns out to be a
0: lunatic. A couple points. Like I said, number one, earlier, a lot of us don't know ourselves, so we don't know our flaws. Right. Like I said about me understanding like like things like when I'm talking, I project. So don't talk over my wife. I don't stand Mm. up when I'm having a conversation with my wife because I know I project at the most at that time. Things like that. Then number two is we all have this dream and fantasy of being with a perfect person. So we always looking for that person so we don't know how to settle for a good relationship, and settle is such an ugly word. Yeah, I wish we could come up with something else because it's really not settling if you can be successfully married. Marriage is not marriage is not a thing. It's not perfect. There's nothing perfect but God, right? So marriage cannot be perfect either.
1: Oh wow. Okay, I mean, cause I'm still trying to wrap my brain around settling.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, we got to speak on the settling part again. <laughs> what, I, what I what I what I talk to people when I talk about settling is is that you will not find someone who has 10 out of 10 things. More than likely, you will find someone that has 8 out of 10 things and maybe two things that you weren't looking for, you start to appreciate better to get you to 10. Or the 8 things that you needed, you decided, you know, you figure out that you don't need those other two things or something like that. Somehow you evolve. It's very difficult just to find 10 out of 10. And that's for life, right? How many jobs do you find 10 out of 10? Um, is your mother 10 out of 10? Mm. Is your father 10 out of 10? Is your best friend 10 out of 10? You All of us got best friends that is something that we hate about. Them. <laughs> <Can> I, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. All of us, we can list out of all our best friends that we have had for 20, 25 years. We all older now. We can say, I don't like this about this person. Mm. I don't mm-hmm. like this about this person. But we still love them because we don't expect them to be perfect. But then we get married and we expect perfection from our spouses. Okay, you just said a word right there. They might, The people might have to rewind that in the podcast you know? and do to it again. We're going to keep it moving, though. That's, <laughs> that's what we're going to do. I, I, when I get to relationship coaching, when I get to my little zone, it's uh, it's funny. What's well, funny? It's not funny, I guess. Some of my clients might get mad. I don't know. They're well, playfully mad. I'll, I'll be in relationship coaching sometimes, and, and they'll try to stop me and say, say what you said again so I can write it down. And I try never to do that. And it's because I don't want people to understand – my theories or concepts about marriage is word for word. I want you to just get enough of it so you can apply it to your own life. I don't want it to be complicated because I got a whole circular, full thought out uh, idea of marriage. You know, like when I, even uh. when I say divorce is not an option, that's layers of divorce. It's not, see, I, it's simple just to say divorce is not an option, but it's a million layers to divorce not an option. Like simple things like divorce is not an option because. You cannot work on how to have a great marriage and at the same time contemplate leaving. So that's the first hmm. step in being able to be, you know, focused on staying happily married.
1: Okay, but I'm still unsettling. So, but I think, you know, what you were saying is kind of really negotiating. We negotiate everything in life. Everything.
0: There's that's no, a very anything. good point. There's nothing in life that we don't negotiate. Even when you plop down your money. You know, even when I bought my house that I love, I love my home, we picked it out, we had it built, all that kind of stuff, whatever. It still don't have hot tubs in the bathroom. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It still don't have an elevator. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, you know what I'm I still don't have gold toilets. You know what I mean? But I got over that, right? You're right. I ain't driving so, my
1: George Jetson car
0: yet. Exactly. I don't have a Lamborghini in the in garage. In gr- Matter of fact, my convertible, my wife made me give up when we had kids. Oh wow! Yeah. And so you know, it's it's just, and, and, but but when she told me, hey, you gotta, you know, I'm not put, and I said, honey, the car seat is turned around; it can fit in the middle still. She was like, I'm not gonna catch you riding with the top down, with my baby <laughs> yeah. getting a whole bunch of air. In them. she said, I'm just not even gonna do that with you; like it's not even an option. So she made me get rid of the convertible. But the thing was, I knew how to compromise on the car Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but on the relationship i tend to to dwell on the things that i don't like so i'm always trying to talk to people that will spend our time trying to be unhappy about the two things that we don't like instead of being happy about the eight things we do like in our partner i
1: feel like i've been bamboozled like nobody ever says that they always say don't settle they always say like you know like it's some perfect person out there
0: Nobody's perfect, man. And, and what, what you know? What's great about being me is that I have a whole bunch of fi- Facebook followers and Twitter, and I'm on CNN and Tom Joyner and Michael Bayes and all these different places. So people hear me on the radio and they say, "Wow, he's perfect." <laughs> my, I know better. <laughs> and my wife threw up. <laughs> my, my wife was like, "Uh, no, no, you're not perfect at all." But I get to play like I'm perfect, like I'm the perfect husband, and I've always been this way, and it wasn't hard, and I and I always no, we all had to work through this. I wrote an article you got to find on my website where I say I built my wife from scratch. Right? It's called she I let built you write my that. wife. Yeah, because it's a play on words. Really, she built me from scratch. I had it was a lot more work on me than it was on her. Okay. <laughs> to be honest, right? Long as you so, know. but it, it's really both of us, right? We both. Um, um, had to, had to shape a little, had to scrape a little, had to cut off some edges, had to sand down some edges. We had some preconceived notions about marriage, about relationships or expectations about each other that wasn't going to work out. It's all about negotiation, compromise, how we can, you know, settle down a relationship that word, settle again. Mm -hmm. We just got to find a better word. I don't know. But you
1: you know what? You just actually brought me to, um, a point that was made in the article, Um, I'm kind of summarizing what the author said, but it was something along the lines of we shouldn't abandon our partner because and let me rephrase that we should not abandon our partner because we have this romantic notion of love or that a perfect being exists or that we can meet our end all be all in one person and satisfy our every yearning. Um, I that just really hit me because we all are running around looking for this perfect person and then they're not perfect and we out.
0: Right. They're not perfect and we out and we even with the ones that we end up being with, we're not we're not suited or we're not we don't have a process of how and when to negotiate relationships. I said on the first podcast when I was talking with Katrina, I said that that we We'll get in relationships and not really understand that we're sacrificing for the betterment of the marriage. Like we look at it as sacrificing for ourselves. That's one of the mm. things I try to talk about is that is that in marriage, you have to be able to look at a situation and say, is this what is best for the marriage? And too often we get married and we're still thinking, is this what's best for me? And marriage doesn't work like that anymore. As soon as you become legal, as soon as you say, I do, now every thought, everything that you do has to be for the betterment of the marriage. So if you want to buy a car, you can't be like, well, I've always dreamed of having this kind of car. You got to say, okay, does this fit into our budget? Not that I make a bunch of money.
1: You made a statement once before that really stuck with me. And basically you said the husband should be all about the wife and the wife should be all about the husband so that the husband doesn't have to worry about the husband and the wife doesn't have to worry about the wife because their spouse got that.
0: What I said was you close. What I said was the husband worries about the wife and the wife takes care of the husband. Like no. The, the husband takes care of the wife and the wife take care, takes care of the husband. So what I do in coaching is, is that we have husbands and wives who try to take care of themselves. We have exactly. husbands and wives who are looking out for themselves. They're selfish and they don't know how to sacrifice. So I tell my husbands, you're focused and your attention is on your wife to make sure that she's happy. Because you can observe her and learn what she needs to be happy. And then she can do the same. mmm and that's and that's what people get caught. That's, you know what? In, in relationship coaching, that's what they say. Cause it's a trick when I'm always I say I say I say to my husbands, and I usually start with husbands, and I say to husbands, I have this this hierarchy structure. Ooh, Tamara, I'm gonna give you this structure right now. You didn't you've <laughs> edited these articles ten years ago. It's uh-huh. in the book of everything. Let's see if you get it right to close out our little podcast. Okay, right? here we go. Number one, what's the most important thing in your relationship? Who, person, place, or thing?
1: The spouse. God. Oh, God, sorry, yeah. God. <laughs> you see any okay, you're right. God. My
0: bad. God always come first. I apologize to the listeners out there. Tamara is a I'm Christian. I'm not a heathen. <laughs> she, she she go to church every Sunday. Um, okay. Number two is who, Tamara?
1: Your spouse.
0: Number three is who? Nobody. You almost there. You trying to guess, you done forgot.
1: No, was it your spouse again?
0: Spouses number two and number three. Okay, and I put spouses number two and number three because spouses need double the priority, double the observation double the thought like even when i'm not with my wife i need to be thinking somewhat about my about what my wife needs mm-hmm. you know because i don't get to spend a lot of time with my wife i got you know you she get on from work at seven o'clock at night we got these two kids running around i gotta spend time with my son and my daughter till they get in the bed at nine and then really i get the last two hours of the day where we really just trying to you know catch up that's
1: you know a whole nother topic
0: that's a whole nother topic of being realistic about what we get in marriage. Right. Whereas right now, boyfriend, girlfriend, you might get a whole Saturday together doing nothing. Well, then when you get married, we got a whole Saturday together with two kids. You know what I'm uh, saying? It's not uh-huh. just us. Two, and yeah, it is a whole other topic because I talk about sp- specifically investing in the marriage. Like, like we got to get out. I'm always, you'd be surprised how many couples I met go out on dates. Like one of the first, how often do you go out on dates? How often, do, like me and my wife go out at least once a week. Well, before we had that little girl, that little girl slowing us down. I was down gonna with say, me. yeah, how you got time for all that? Well, because what we would do, I strategically. Found Ethan a best friend. Strategic. Not accidental. Strategic. <laughs> <clears throat> strategically said to myself, I got to find another parenting couple that Ethan can stay over there sometimes. And I can keep their son over here sometimes. So, mom and daddy can get out and spend time together. So, the marriage is Ooh, still great. We still get smart. to act like, too. Right. We did that on purpose. It's a whole other breed of grandparents nowadays. That's all. Yeah. Grandparents been streets all the time <laughs> right now. You know what I'm saying? Grandparents holding it down. My mom probably out there right now. Somewhere popping it. You know. <laughs> Her mom on vacation with in Vegas with her dude. You know what I mean? Grandparents <laughs> is off the chain right now, man. I don't yeah. think it's gonna happen with that. But yeah, um, and so that's what I I really try to oh we didn't finish it. So spouse is number one. Uh no, I'm sorry, God is number one. Spouse mm-hmm. is number two. So you two. made the same spouse mistake is I made. Three. Fourth, fourth Tamara, remember what fourth is now, right? Nobody. That's right. I call it vacant, meaning that I don't want nothing in competition with my spouse. Nothing. So, when my mom call and say, "Hey, baby, I need you to do this or do that," first I'm checking with my spouse before I get up and go run behind my mama or run behind my sister. And I don't, and I haven't, you know, I don't know my father. I've never met my father. So, my mama is all world, everything, you know, the greatest of all time to me. Mm-hmm. But my wife comes first, mm-hmm. and it's not even a close second. As I said, God first, wife second, wife third, fourth is vacant. Mama, I only want you close to my wife. I only want you to believe. That you can have any control or anything over my It's a lot of
1: mama boys who need to hear that.
0: You'd be surprised how many times I say to men that it's okay. Like, really, what I tell them is that marriage will not work with your mama being more important than with your wife. Oh, wow. And And it won't work because mama won't have a line not to cross, Right. And so she's just going to call you at 11 o'clock at night. She's just going to call you when you're on date night, on your anniversary, because it's always going to be a competition. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I set that down from jump. That is not a competition, mom. You are second behind my wife. So now that I've set that up, she calls in advance and says, hey, how would your wife feel about us doing this for the holidays?
1: Go, Steven.
0: That's what we do. And so, uh, let's wrap up. Let's let's get on some current events. Some current talking. What what, what you thinking about?
1: <laughs> so I've been debating with my friends about this whole election thing. Like I still am in amazement that there are people who are really thinking about voting for Donald Trump.
0: I I sometimes probably, probably I don't know if it's once a day or how often it is. I really have a sad moment when I say to myself like. I just cannot believe it. Like, is this really, really real?
1: No, they're serious. They are serious. Like, I I actually had a debate with somebody today who justified it by saying that um, the next president could potentially be choosing three Supreme Court justices, and they refuse for Hillary to be able to choose those justices. That's your whole reason that you're going to vote for a narcissistic, racist, misogynistic man.
0: Yeah, um, it's just, like, I actually was going to talk to, you see, I can talk fluently when I'm talking about relationships and marriage and love, but when I start talking about politics and Donald Trump, I just stumble, because I'm like, just, and I'm well-educated, I listen to politics every day, I read a lot, and I just can't, like, I know that if I go talk to my Republican friend, he's going to say to me, Hillary's going to take our guns, and I just said to myself, yes! that's the most ridiculous thing ever. Like, no one is taking no guns. We're just saying that maybe you don't need an AK 47. Right. And they just.
1: Maybe they you just, need a background check before you own
0: a gun. I, I, I was watching Fareed Sakari, what's his name? You know him? On CNN, I think. Fareed, the. Uh, okay, anyway, that guy, right? Yeah, I know him. you everybody just said that on the podcast everybody right. don't nobody know his name everybody know what i'm talking about right. he, he was talking about how you engage a person that tells a bold-faced lie to you in front of other people yes like imagine that like put yourself in that but, position
1: but wait it's even more than a bold-faced lie it's like craziness that they really believe like obama is muslim and um you know, Hillary is like part of, or Hillary created ISIS. Like, it's like far-fetched stuff that they really believe. So it's not just a bold-faced lie.
0: I mean, like, I saw him say, like, the girls in a pageant said that Donald Trump used to walk in, you know, without oh, announcing. himself, yeah. so, And they'd be naked and scrambling trying to get dressed.
1: Right. And, and,
0: and then he said that they're lying, but then there's audio of him bragging about yes, walking in. on and, Howard Stern. Right. And I'm like, how does that not impact the regular human being? How can a regular human being listen to that and just say, you know, I don't care about that. That's unimportant. Or or the character or the morals or the ethic of of a person. I don't I don't get that. How that doesn't matter.
1: Yes. And these are people who are all about ethics. Right. So they say.
0: But I'm equally frustrated with folks who say to me, I'm not voting or I can't vote for Hillary like Hillary now, is... wait.
1: I can be one of those people Uh-oh. because I just I mean I, uh, I can't quite wrap my mind around Hillary right about now
0: what you mean we about to have an argument I don't know if I need to
1: <laughs> I mean I'm trying but you know when Donald Trump had all them women up there and I totally think that was completely completely out of control but you know that one woman who said that she was raped by Clinton and then Hillary threatened her? I don't know about all that. Mm. I don't know. First I'm, all, I'm you like, you know, I'm all for well, stand by your man, but I can't stand by rape.
0: Well, first of all, you got to say Bill. You can't say Clinton.
1: Sorry, <laughs> yes. Bill. Bill
0: Bill bad. raped her. Um, That's tough. You know, it's got to be. You know, There's
1: plenty of bills out there doing stuff.
0: True that. Um, it's got to be litigated, though. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, did you do? Did you actually look up any of that stuff to see what happened?
1: I did not look up that particular one, but I know she has been, um, you know, saying things publicly for years. Um, but um, right. I did look up the one. I think Paula Jones that was an eight hundred fifty thousand dollars settlement. Um, and of course, it all came up around the time of Monica Lewinsky. So that one was kind of you could. Look at it from either perspective. One, Clinton was just trying to shut it up because he had enough issues going on or he was guilty.
0: Right. Like like Clinton, if there were 10 Democrats in the race, Clinton would be number nine for me. You know what I mean? Like I, I would it'd be eight other random Democrats. I would rather vote for president than Hillary. Don't get me wrong. Yes. Right? But between Hillary and Trump, it's a no brainer to me. And for people to say, like, I got a good friend of mine who's talking about writing in a candidate. And I was just like, writing in a candidate is like, right in, in yourself. right <laughs> you. You know what I mean? Like, th- what are you talking that's about? That's just throwing
1: your here? vote away. You might as well throw your
0: vote away. Martin Luther King did not fight for voting privileges. so We can just write in our homeboy, you know, or somebody that's not going to win. Your vote is not being counted like that. It's ridiculous. But they really just you know? need to and dismantle this that, whole
1: two-party system.
0: I've been thinking more and more about that. Like, we should be able to vote for whoever we want it. Like, like, there was 16 on the Republican side and three on the Democratic side. There should be 19 on the ticket. And we'll vote whoever we want and just count them up.
1: You know what? That would actually probably save money because nobody, well, I don't know. It could, that could be six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. But it's just ridiculous to me also the amount of money they spend on these campaigns.
0: Yeah, I think they say Hillary's going to spend $2 billion.
1: Yeah. That's psycho. She could have fed all of America.
0: $2 billion just to get people to vote for her, you know. Um, what else? Uh, what about that Trump losing a billion dollars? Did you hear about that?
1: Oh, okay. So, yes. No, Trump did not lose a billion dollars. Trump ran, uh, wrote a billion dollars off.
0: Actually, too, what I think I heard was that, like, it's the type of thing where say you bought a billion a building for fifteen million and the billion is the building is valued at a hundred million um you write off the value of the building at a depreciated rate instead of just writing off your losses.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That so that, that is another one of those loopholes for people with money, because people who ain't got money ain't buying no hundred million dollar building for fifteen million, and people who um, ain't got money ain't writing off stuff that they ain't got. So basically, tr- Trump bought a building at a reduced rate, and then it or it went under. Um, somehow, the the whole investment went under, and he was able to write off the worth of it. But beyond that. The worth is determined by whom is the question, because that building may have been worth 15 million or whatever he paid for it. But he can say, oh, it was worth a billion dollars.
0: Right. And get some assessment or whatever to to confirm that it was worth a billion dollars. Right. That's just amazing to be able to write that off. You would think there's some kind of law. And
1: that one billion dollars that he wrote off meant he didn't have to pay taxes for 18 years. 18 years.
0: How are we looking? Do we have time for one more story? Are you ready to get off?
1: Um, I'm good. What you got?
0: You know what? Every week, um, when I'm doing relationship coaching, there's one story that kind of go back to we went we did politics for a sidebar, come back to relationships for a second, so I can tell the story. Every week I have, you know, I did I do relationship coaching every day, right? Yep. And so it's something every week that always kind of stands out to me. Um the one that stands out today is I had a session with a young man yesterday. And I really had to talk him through how to be a leader in his marriage. Um, and I compare leaders in marriage or husbands in marriage. I compare the husband in marriage to the coach of the football team. I compare the husband in marriage to the CEO of the company. I compare the husband in marriage to the captain of the ship. I compare the husband in marriage to the president of the United States, meaning that ultimately there's one person who's solely responsible for the unit, the organization, the company, the team, the marriage, whatever. Right now, that doesn't that doesn't mean that vice presidents or women can't ruin marriages. But what it means is someone is responsible. So if you had a company quarterly meeting and the stock price goes under, there's someone to stand up and take responsibility. You don't have to look for somebody. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's someone there? And everyone points to that That's person. The local you're right. Even though we could t- we could have talked about that, and all those, because that was good info right there. I'm glad that dude finally resigned and gave back forty two million dollars. Yeah. I to look that up, podcasters. You know, and so, but but even with that, everyone knew who was responsible, mm-hmm. right? It was the CEO. Mm-hmm. Well, in marriage, the number one thing you'll see on marriage on divorce decrees is irreconcilable differences. Mm-hmm. Which means that we basically couldn't get along. We couldn't compromise. We couldn't negotiate. No one took responsibility. No one sacrificed. It's a cop out. It's a cop out for everybody. And so what I try to teach my men is, is that why are we willing to lead in other platforms, other units, other organizations, other institutions, but we're not willing to take leadership in marriage?
1: Because it's easier to blame the other person.
0: It's very easy. It's only two of us. It's got to be 50% your fault, right? At least. <laughs> it's, it's at least. It might be all least, your fault. <laughs> it's at least 50% your <laughs> fault. And so I I'm talk- perfect. Exactly. And so I talked to him this week about just as a leader, your responsibility is to strategically plan for the success of the relationship in the future, right? It's not enough to just sit here and be angry about the present you're not a leader if you Ooh. get sucked into the present because a coach has to prepare, right? So Ooh. a coach sits down, watch the videotape and says, how are we going to make adjustments for next week's game, right? The coach sits down, watch the videotape and says, how can I get the best out of my quarterback? How can I put my receiver in a position to win, right? And so in the same fashion with our spouses, we have to be to say to ourselves, how can I put my wife in the best position to be successful in this marriage? Wow! How can I do my best? How can I put myself in the best position to be successfully married?
1: Yeah, nobody really just stops and, and thinks about strategy and, and tactics and how to make marriage better. It's all about I'm having this issue. Why won't you do what I want you to do?
0: And the reason why it's important is because if you strategically set forth a plan, then you know how to follow that plan. Right. So when you so you say to yourself, like one of the things I do with my wife, for example, is is that I knew that I wanted to be in marriage where we didn't use any vulgarity against each other. Right. And so I never allowed it. I never did it. Never allowed it. Even if she did it, I would say, hold on, we're not going to talk to each other like that. Right. So it wasn't that. I'm gonna get angry. I'm gonna get emotional because she said a word and she was never really attacking me, just mm-hmm. using words, whatever, like we do or whatever. But I said, I don't want any of it in my marriage. So I had a clear, concise, principled plan in advance of her, even in advance of us having any issue. And I was very clear on her.
1: And I'm sure she appreciates that. I mean, I've been checked a time or two <laughs> and I, I'm growing from it.
0: Thanks for listening to The Divorce Is Not An Option podcast. Please be sure to subscribe or follow our podcast on Spreaker Radio or iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Share with a friend, post to your social networks, leave a response, comment, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. We'll read those comments and get back to you. Until next week, thanks for listening again. Divorce is not an option.